So we're doing this sermon series on the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus talked about most. It was his thesis statement. That's how Jesus described his ministry, and it's and how he described what he was about. He showed up, and, and his job was to bring the kingdom of heaven uh, to earth, to bring the order of heaven to earth. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, you know, basic definitions. When you manifest the order of heaven on earth, then the... Uh, the nature of heaven is demonstrated around you. So, for instance, there's no sick people in heaven. Uh, when you manifest the order of heaven on earth, the kingdom of heaven on earth, sickness goes away. There's no demonic oppression in heaven. When you manifest uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth, all well, demons have to flee. Everybody in heaven knows God's nature and love. So when you manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth, people encounter God's nature and love, etc., etc. And Jesus was pretty stoked about this. He was the first one to talk about the kingdom of heaven on earth, and Christians have been doing it ever since. Have you guys heard about that before, this thing called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God on earth? Go ahead, veteran Christians, be bold. Yeah. And we talk about it a lot at Blue Water. Uh, so it should not be a, formal, uh, a foreign concept to you. My warm-up question for you today uh, is, what does it take to get the kingdom of God moving in a big way. It's not the natural state of the earth. The kingdom of heaven uh, that we carry, ostensibly, is an invasion of the chaos of the earth with the order of heaven. What does it take to get it moving in a big way around you, around us, in this place or wherever we go? What does it take? Those of you who have thought about the kingdom of heaven before, maybe you have some opinions. Yeah, Joni. A mustard seed of faith, a little bit of faith at least to get it going. Yep, all right, faith, faith is a big deal. We know that if you've read the Bible. Yeah, right. Extreme love. Extreme love. Well, that's interesting because extreme love is certainly part of the order of heaven. So to the degree that you show it on earth, it makes sense. That would prime the pump a little bit, get the flood beginning. What else? A lot of effort. Actually, they like that answer. A lot of trying, uh, John follows up. It's like, uh, because it's not, it's not normal, right? So if we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven to a chaotic and rugged world, um, you know, you're going to have to muscle through some things. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to try my life verse from Matthew chapter 11. From the time of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven advances by violence. Right? It's like, this is not a game for wimps. And violent people uh, seek to get hold of the kingdom. It takes a lot of force. Good answer. What else? A lot, of prayer. a lot of prayer. Prayer is good. I learned in Sunday school that the answer is always pray or Jesus. And, uh, and a lot of prayer. Desperation. Why? Because desperation sounds the opposite of faith. For the kingdom of heaven to move, you need to recognize that you need it, right? So that sort of desperation. That's actually how Jesus started his teaching ministry, like with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, blessed are the hungry, the thirsty. Yeah, like you, you, it's helpful if you have an appetite for change. And if life is too good, if you're anesthetized, if you're a little bit slow-footed and numbed out, then you are in trouble. 
with respect to the kingdom of God. Your chances have gone down. All really great answers. Um, all of which I think are correct, and in a way, none of which I think it is complete. Um, when I was uh, younger, I was uh, still, still in my 20s, maybe I was just about to turn 30, and uh, I was thinking about this a lot. It's like, you know, you read the Bible stories, the Jesus stories, and then you kind of live Christianity in the world, you go to church and stuff like that, and I was seeing this big gulf between all the cool things and all the big changes that happened wherever Jesus went and the great nothingness that was happening uh, in my life. You know, and my church was lovely, but it, was like, it wasn't the Gospels, you know. And I was like, yeah, you know, church should be better. Church should be better. Those church people should be better. Oh, crap, I've got to do it, don't I? That was kind of my experience with the Lord. It's like, oh, what, what are you going to do to really manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth? So i like, well, I'll just tell people I can. I can do it. And if they want to do it, um, we'll just get together and make it happen. That was, my, that was my thing, you know, meetings at our house and healing services. I had healing services at, uh, at um, the house, that's in the little apartment that Sonia and I had. It's like, whoever wants it, come and get it. So that was sort of a pre-commitment for me. And, and lo and behold, we started seeing uh, some kingdom things. We started seeing a couple people come to the Lord. We saw some healing miracles, and, and the Holy Spirit was manifesting with a little bit of power. Sometimes I share stories about those days. And then I started getting invitations from other Christian groups or church groups. Why don't you come and bring the kingdom here? And I had, like, no method, you know, for doing this well. But, of course, I said, yeah, because I was in it now, and what was I going to say? Um, so one of the first conferences I was invited to was this uh, conference that, uh, it was a, a conference for uh, Korean Christians, a lot of first-generation Korean Christians, Koreans in the house, <laughs> Koreans, great Christians, those Koreans. Uh, and it was like a... It was, it was like, a, like a Korean Methodist conference, I think it was. And a friend of mine from a former church plant that Sonia and I did had become a youth pastor there. Uh, but they had no experience of anything uh, supernatural or manifestational in that church. They certainly believed in Jesus, but it was a very traditional faith, you know. Just like, I believe because my parents believed and, you know, and everybody go to church because we're good families, you know. And so my job was to make uh, the kingdom manifest in some gospel way. Um, and uh, they had, uh, like a lot of uh, first-generation churches, they had a Korean language conference happening simultaneously with the English language conference. And I did the English language one because my Korean is very limited. Um, and the senior, the senior guy, sort of the apostle over this wing of the Korean Methodist church, uh, didn't believe in any of this oh, supernatural stuff. So I had to do it undercover. So that was, my, that was my mission. I had to show up, bring the kingdom to people who had no experience of it in real time, uh, and keep it secret. So of course I said yes, I showed up. And, and, and I gave my spiel. I had all the teens uh, and all, so a lot of the 20-somethings uh, in, in the church. And I talked about encounters that I had had with the Holy Spirit. Long-winded story to get to this point. Uh, 
it got to the point for ministry time, like we do at the end of, of every church service. And now my job, uh, only person in the room, uh, to make the kingdom manifest to all of these people who by then, you know, I think liked me because I'm very charming. How was I going to start? What was I going to do? You know, and that, this is the moment that the story is about. I mean, just think about that for a second. Well, like, how do I get it going? Right? Are you following me? Yeah. Now, like, if you have no experience with any of this, this might be a very weird story for you. But if you're, like, used to ministering supernaturally, I think maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a riveting story for you. Like, how was I going to get it started? And I remember just kind of looking at this crowd. There may be a couple hundred people there in the room. Um, and, and I decided just to look. It's like, Lord, are you breaking through in any way on anyone? And I just started looking. And I recall this verse from Acts. Um, there's a story about Paul in, in the city of Lystra. And then he was preaching on a street corner. And, and the story says in Acts 8, and there was a man there. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. The man was paralyzed. And then Paul ministered to them. So, I, so it occurred to me, like, maybe you can see something on somebody's faith that will face, that will help you, Jordan. So I was just looking around. And there's this one woman right in the middle um, about where Carrie is. And, um, and you know, I, I told them that we were going to pray. So her eyes were closed very respectfully, and, and there was nothing physically different about her, but I just felt like her, her. So I just said, excuse me, excuse me, yeah, you there in the black, in the name of Jesus, be blessed and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and she just fell unconscious and knocked a few chairs out of the way. It was like this crater that formed around her as people were <laughs> like, you know. Okay, so that's really the story, and from there, you know, some people were very interested. Other people were sort of scared. Other people were interested, so I went and ministered to other people. The punchline of the story is about an hour and a half later, the senior apostle dude walked in. <laughs> and there were about 75 people unconscious on the floor. And he's walked in, looked around, and I, I remember watching him. John said, he's here, he's here. And John was my friend. And, and he smiled, and I, yeah, and then he turned and walked out of the room. That was the entire thing. I said, what were we scared about? Get him back. Let's pray for him. Uh, but I never got a chance to. Okay. I don't know what you think about that story, but it was formative for my ministry. It's like you could do everything right, but still you need to see a hot spot. You know, you need to see a, a flare-up. I, I, I don't even know exactly what I saw on that young woman. But there was just something heavenly going on. And what I have learned is to just jump on those moments. Right? Wherever you find them in life, sometimes it's a, it's a conference. Occasionally it even happens at church, although that's hard for reasons that we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, I'll do it in conversations. You know, I've done it on airplanes and in airports randomly. It's like, I smell heaven. You know, and then I'll just look at somebody and be like, Lord, you know, what's going on? Maybe he gives me advice or maybe I just strike up a conversation. I've led people to the Lord in airports that way. Um, I've shared some of those stories. 
uh, I've made an entire life out of looking for hot spots. You know, that's really all that I do. And then you try to make them flare up. You try to stoke them, not smoke them, stoke them. <laughs> Rather than snuff them out. And it is incredibly easy to snuff them out when you encounter them. Incredibly easy. Uh, and uh, you might want to ask yourself, why does the kingdom work that way? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So you can grab your Bibles and you can turn to Mark 6. You can follow along on the big board. Or you can follow along on your smartphone Bibles. If you have a phone with a Bible, pull it out. Come on, let's do this. Let's interact with Scripture a little bit. Mark 6, verses 1 through 13. So this is a story. Jesus is in the middle of his earthly ministry at this point. He's done a lot of impressive miracles at this point. And he is visiting his hometown now, right? So what's his reception going to be? He's become a fairly famous rabbi, a traveling, traveling teacher. And he's got a reputation as a miracle worker. And now he's going home to his high school class reunion. You could sort of think of it that way. And this is a story about that and what happens immediately afterwards. Jesus left there. Um, he, has, uh, he had just been in a, another town where he raised a girl from the dead. All right, so not bad. I've never done that one. And he left that place from that tremendous heavenly breakthrough because there are no dead people in heaven. So when you manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth, even dead people can get healed. So he left that great victory. He left there and went to his hometown. You could just imagine the buzz around this guy at this point, accompanied by his disciples who have participated in him with great works. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So far, so good. The synagogue was like their church meeting. And many who heard him teach and tell stories, maybe, were just amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Well, who saw that coming? They're like, wow, he's all miracle working now. I remember when he was just a punk kid starting out in the carpentry business. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Um, he, he was sort of, he's sort of quoting obliquely from the Old Testament there. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And a few little healings over in the corner. And he was amazed at their lack of faith, these people who knew him. Part two of the story. Afterwards, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. He got out of his hometown. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. 
Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. So I'm going to make it harder for you than I have to. You can't take any luggage or money. Just go um, to places that don't know you. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. If it doesn't work out, get the heck out of town and leave no doubt about it. They went out and preached that people should repent, change their mind. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. There's the story. I'm always shocked when I read this story, and I've probably read it about 5,000 times over the years. Um, because if there's anybody in Scripture who was the perfect minister, anybody who had perfect faith, anybody who had perfect power, anybody who had perfect authority, who was it? Jesus. Very good. I told you the answer is either pray or Jesus. In this case, it was Jesus. And Jesus goes to his hometown and gets stifled. He gets, his ministry gets snuffed out. This is Jesus. This is the guy who just raised a girl from the dead. And he goes to his hometown, and people treat him with disrespect for whatever reason. And we could comment upon that, right? They were jealous, or they were, you know, it's sort of familiarity breeds contempt sort of attitude. But they, they for whatever reason, they were like, no, we're not into this, because we know you as this naughty-node kid who was probably a, a bastard child. You notice they say Mary's son and not Joseph's son. In a patriarchal culture, a boy was named for his father, but they're not willing to say that Joseph was the father. They've heard the rumors. They've heard the rumors. And so they're just kind of programmed to disrespect him. No, this is the wrong package. And they get offended at him, and it stops the good thing that Jesus was doing. Doesn't that blow your mind? And this tells us something about the nature of the kingdom of heaven on earth doesn't it? I mean, it's powerful enough to raise the dead, but vulnerable enough that any cantankerous person can stop it in its tracks. What do you think about that? Why would God design the kingdom of heaven on earth in that fashion? Anyone in a bad mood could just torpedo it. There were sick, desperate people in Jesus' hometown. Surely God wanted to bless them, but he made the work of the kingdom vulnerable to the grumps, vulnerable to the foot-draggers, to the cold-hearted. The kingdom of God is vulnerable in a way. It doesn't stop that Jesus has to take a detour. He goes to the other villages uh, instead. What, what does this tell you? Jesus can't do any miracles there. What this, I'm just interested in your reaction. What does it tell you about the kingdom of God? Atmosphere matters. Yeah. Not even Jesus can bring the kingdom by himself. Not just freak you out. That freaks me out. A lot. What does this passage suggest to us about 
how to get the kingdom going in a place, about how to enter the kingdom of God. What does it, what does it suggest to us? Faith is important, yeah. But in what way? Attitude of belief that you, you have to be willing to believe. Yeah. More than that, not just you, because I'm pretty sure Jesus believed. I'm pretty sure his disciples believed. But like everybody in the room has to believe. Otherwise, you've got some problems. Yeah. So it's not just faith, but it's a shared faith. You know, faith is an attitude. We talk about that a lot. So it's not just my attitude, but it's all of your attitudes, you know. And, and my attitude isn't great, so I'm really relying on you guys, to tell you the truth. But it's just, it amazes me. You can't do it alone. Not even Jesus can bring the kingdom somewhere unilaterally, right? He needs people to work with him. Work with me, people! Work with me, people! Um, we just... Everybody has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's dynamic. You know what that word means? It's like if you move one thing, something else moves. Uh, it's like all the pieces moving together. Um, and I don't know, there's a takeaway lesson there that I, found, I find really sobering. It's not just about me and my preparation and my strength, right? It's like I walk in here today and it's all of you as well. And I can't control you, no, not any more than you can control me. And that makes us very vulnerable. That well makes the kingdom very vulnerable to us, you know. And that's just a lot of responsibility. That's just a little, a little more responsibility than I'm willing to carry, to tell you the truth. Uh, but there it is. Notice there's there's a section two uh, to this story. It's like Jesus is like, all right, well let's get out of here then. Let's leave my hometown, and I'm going to go village to village, and I'm going to do all my miracle and my preaching there. That seems to have gone better. And then he takes the moment to really deputize his disciples. He sends them out two by two, so they have a little built-in support, and he sends them to their hometowns. No. (laughs) He sends them to villages where they are not known and where they know no one, and he forbids them to take any money or extra clothes or food or anything like that. So it's the opposite of his hometown experience. In his hometown, Jesus should have everything he needs. He should have support. He should have lodging. He should have all that. He has his family. He's in the bosom of his family, um, who we read in another story, thought he was crazy. And it made it very hard for him to operate around them. Um, So he sends these guys out, makes them completely vulnerable individually, but somehow it makes the kingdom less vulnerable. (laughs) You know? because they are able to do a lot of miracles. But even then, he says, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. In other words, don't mess with it. Just be like, forget it. I'm out of here. I don't want any trace of you guys on me. Right? I need to protect my faith from your lack of it. Jesus teaches them how to fail. Right? That's one of his first discipleship lessons. And the lesson is, if you're going to fail, fail fast and move on, right? Um, it's a vulnerable thing. Uh, a lot could be said about the second part of this story. We have covered it in previous sermons. You know, Jesus sends them out without anything. He sends them out vulnerably. Either they did miracles or they starved, right? Because they were 
they were relying on the hospitality of people in towns they've never been in, right? And if they showed up and said, I'm going to do a bunch of miracles and failed, they probably would not have gotten hosted, right? And there was no, you know, holiday inn in these places. Um, they would have slept in ditches and gone hungry. So it wasn't a very safe mission, but it turned out to be successful. Uh, what is the procedure of the kingdom that Jesus is training his guys up in? How do they bring the kingdom to places? Well, it seems to be something like this. You go out and you make pitches. You make efforts. You try things, as John said. And you try to find a hot spot. Right? You just go and you kind of preach, you tell stories, or you pray, and you look around and say, is someone working with me? Is someone working with the Lord? And if not, split. Because the key is to find someone working with you, someone working with the Holy Spirit, someone working with Jesus. So you just kind of, kind of cast it out there, and you see if there are any hot spots, any flare-ups, and if there are, you can do great things and then stoke it even more. And then you get a bonfire of the kingdom instead of a little spark of the kingdom. Um, and you often perceive these hot spots best if you're stripped down in such a way that you need to see them. Right? Because these guys were either going to do miracles or they were going to starve. They didn't have time to waste with reluctant Believers. Go big or go home. Yeah. Start small, go big, go home. But you have to, you have to, you have to find uh, something. I think one of the reasons that Jesus talked about the kingdom, and he, he told seven different kingdom parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like, and he was always talking about those who get to enter the kingdom and those who have trouble entering the kingdom. I think the reason he talked about the kingdom so often in so many different ways is that he was always dealing, he was always hoping uh, that it would spark something in someone and then let him do it, let him get to business. You know, that's, that's what he was doing. Um, because the guy wanted to work. He wanted to work, but... But even his work could be snuffed out by most anyone um, who took offense at him, who did not like his package. Isn't that interesting? It's like if you met Jesus himself and you treated the encounter as something that was cheap, it would be. If you come to church today and you, you consider it kind of a throwaway, rote, cheap experience, it is. Not just a bummer. Yeah. I just hate that. I hate that. Because I'm grumpy. <laughs> and, you know, some of you aren't much better. <laughs> not naming names. No, I'm not going to name any names. No, I'll send you emails. <laughs> Had a great discussion about this at uh, our Ohana group um, and Connie Ohe. Um, we always have great discussions. Um, 
and we started talking about second service. This is first service, and first service has all the advantages. Um, it's uh, like a little small now, people are traveling and stuff, but you know, we've got like the full cakey ministry and stuff like that, and this is at a time that people tend to prefer. And when we started second service, there were like, I don't know, 12 people. There. Like, the first one was like maybe 30 people entirely. Like, and it's hard to start second service because we do prayer ministry at the end of this service, and then people are still here when the second, people, the second service people show up. And so the start is kind of rough and it's kind of messy and there's a lot of noise and stuff going on and it's awesome. It always works better. And it's like first or second service, like the worship team st struck up the chords and the worship was awesome. I remember Lila got up and said, what just happened? When, when she did announcements, like there's something going on here. What's going on there? Well, I think it just, it's just kind of human nature. It's like, you walk into something that feels like it's already moving, you know what I mean? And then it's easier to kind of be on board because most people come in with numb brain, right? It's like, I'm just, I'm just here, I'm just having a coffee, it's all I can do to get my kids checked into whatever, you know, I come in and sit down, I'm not gonna sit up front, I'm gonna let Jordan suffer up there by himself and, and uh, you know, so the live stream is like, just me and the band, that's it. <laughs> You know, but there's something going on. You're like, what's happening up there? Is there anything going on? And it's like, and people are talking and, 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 and you just feel energized. And as a result, I got to tell you, second service has been better than first service. And, and second service is growing and first service is shrinking. And I've seen some miracles and the Holy Spirit has shown up and, and just, it's just much easier second service. And it's not because you guys suck, because they suck too, right? I'm like, we all, we all stink, we're all grumpy, right? We're all lame, but it's just attitude. That's all it is, right? So for years and years and years at Blue Water, I've been saying, if you want to bring the kingdom, here's one thing you can do, supernatural spiritual people, show up on time. Right? Because the first 20 minutes of service are terrible. One of, the, one of the worst times of my week is 9.05 on Sunday because there are six people here and the band is just like trying to bring the kingdom. And, like, and people are walking in, they're talking on the phone and they're drinking, right? And it's like no judgment, right? No, because, because again, like we all suck. No, no judgment, but it is so easy to snuff the kingdom. It is so easy. And sometimes all it takes is an omission. Right? That's all it takes. It's just all it takes is you doing what comes naturally. As opposed to if you came in and your life depended on it, you would look around and say, is, the, is heaven on anyone? Is heaven, is, 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 is that a prayer? Is there something going on here? Is there a little heaven here? Right? You, you understand the difference? My whole life has been about that difference. My whole life has been about that difference. And I think Jesus' ministry was about, his earthly ministry at least, was, was about that difference as well. He would go from place to place and he would give a little teaching or a kingdom parable. He would say a little something about what the kingdom of heaven is like and then he would look at the crowd and he'd hope to find that one young woman. Or Paul would go to Lystra and he would tell stories about healing and he would look at people's faces and see if they had the faith to be healed. That's what it's about. And the great challenge 
for those epic heroes of faith is that they couldn't do anything by themselves. Even they needed help. I mean, and they were the best of the best, you know? And so how much more do we need help? You know, I think the kingdom is steady state. I think God is always into it. He is not a variable. We are the only variables, right? It's only, it's, it, it's on us uh, is, is the thing. Um, so how do you get the kingdom going uh, around you? You guys gave some good answers. Uh, I don't think it's about a lot of prayer. Prayer is awesome, but I don't think it's about a lot of prayer, although it can be. You know, there are lots of examples in history of revivals breaking out of prayer meetings. The Fetter Lane revival and the, become the Methodist revival is the Moravian revival started with the prayer meeting. That prayer meeting went on for 100 years, literally, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a century. <laughs> um, it's not bad. I don't think it's about worship, um, although, you know, it can be. The Jesus People revival of the late 60s and 70s and early 80s was, was largely carried through its music. Um, people finding a way to relate to the Lord. It was a huge thing. I don't think getting the kingdom moving is always about repentance. Although it can be, because repentance is really good, and there are historical examples of revivals starting out with just spontaneous repentance, maybe. The Asbury revival uh, is one that some of you might know. But I think the kingdom is little bits of all of this, or none of it. It's like whatever makes a hot spot. And you don't always know. You know, you just kind of have to throw stuff out there and to see what lands, right? To see if there's good soil, as Jesus would put it. And to look and to make a big deal about little sparks. That's what Jesus has taught me with stories like this. And unfortunately, to give up when people won't help. Jesus taught me that as well, or at least to give up in the sense that move somewhere else, do something new in a different place with different folks. That's his model. I know that sounds harsh, but that's his model. Um, it's about finding and honoring a moment, a moment that you don't want to miss when it happens. Does that make sense? It's really dynamic. It's hard to define. It's about just finding kingdom moments and stoking instead of snuffing. And that's your mission should you choose to accept it. Okay. Well, Father God, I pray, uh, as Jesus taught us to pray, first and foremost, praise your name and let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For the next six weeks or so, as we approach the all-church retreat, I'm just going to try and, you know, stoke the kingdom a little bit in different ways. Uh, we are in need of uh, an outpouring of it, and the world is in need of us getting an outpouring of it. So, so that's my agenda, such as I have it, and I just want to bless your hearts and, and ask for your, uh, your faith and your energy and cooperation as we do this, because that's what life is about. 
And Father God, I pray that you would perfect your agenda for every person. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and increase our appetites for moments of heaven's revelation and progress. I pray that we would see it at church. I pray that we would see it in random conversations that we have. And I pray that we would see it in our workplaces, in our classrooms. And I pray that finally, first and foremost, in all things, we would be kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Coming up, guys.